0: It's so good to be in this room with you. And I think probably you could um, tell coming in the parking lot uh, today that a lot of people got here before you. And uh, it may have been difficult to find a parking place. Uh, We've changed service times from uh, last fall and winter and spring. We have services on uh, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.00. And the purpose for that is uh, we were full in this room previously and we felt like we could adjust the times a little bit and create some space uh, for this hour. And so as you look around, just kind of glance side by side. You see a seat with nobody in it? That's your mission, all right? Just start praying right now. Lord, who can I... Who can I invite? Who can I include? Who can I bring with me uh, to be here beside me in this room? And, um, and we, uh, that's our, our goal is to gather as many people as we can to e- equip and encourage as many people as we can so that we can send out as many people as we can to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what we're doing. I invite you to open your Bibles to 1st Thessalonians, the New Testament book of 1st Thessalonians. Um, Taylor made mention uh, uh, earlier that um, after the service, if you're a guest, new attender, that uh, you could go out into the commons there in the middle and meet Carlos. I want to make clear that you know I'm Carlos. All right? you may have been expecting something different, uh, you, you might have been expecting a, a different language or a different look, and, but I'm Carlos from North Alabama that speaks uh, <laughs> Southern, and uh, so a lot of times people come and say, where's the Spanish pastor, we heard it's Carlos, Well, um, we don't have one, and uh, it's, 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 it's me, and I, I want to meet you, I want to know you, I, I want to Be able to uh, call you by name eventually, and so stop and say hello. Uh, We we live in a time where there is there really never has been more opportunities to do different things. I I was singing my my days growing up. We the guys we we played football, and it stopped, and then we played basketball and it stopped and then we played baseball and it stopped and in the summer you work or played until football started and it just repeated itself over and over again and today you got football and baseball and basketball and soccer and lacrosse and tennis and swimming and gymnastics and pickleball I mean you know Aren't you, all, you know, all just all kind of stuff that just and that's just in the sports world and it, it's just kind of a microcosm of how many different things, how many different opportunities, how many different places to go? So many things, really unlimited opportunities to do things. But the difficulty is, we're limited, we have a limited time, we have limited money, we have limited energy. And even though we think we can do everything, uh, we can't. And what has to happen is we've got to really narrow down to what is important, what is worth it for us. And during these weeks of August, what we're doing is looking at God's Word. And we're saying, in the life of our church, we've narrowed down and we've said these four things, these four treasures, these four values... Uh, we they're worth it and and you can imagine with uh, lots of people gathering together in church with a lot of different passions that there are a lot of ideas about what we need to use our time for our energy for our resources for and and we said we, we need boundaries we need buoys we need markers and we're saying these four things are worth it and I think it I think they're scalable into your lives I think as you try to figure out where you're going to invest your limited resources, that these four areas can help. They can help you navigate life and all the many different things are going. You feel it. I mean, you, August, Most so many people now, they, they say August is their busiest month of the year. And for a lot of people, it's, it's new schools, it's new moves, it's new classes, it's a new season of sports, a lot of people move into our community and so they're starting things new in the fall, you, you, you feel it with just all the ads that come your way, all the emails that come your way, you deal with syllabus shock and, and just so many different clubs and opportunities, so many meetings to go to and um, we got to make some choices. Last, um, this this past week, our church family, a lot of you are guests, and you may not know the name John Deans, but John Deans was part of our church family here for 40 years. Uh, for 40 years, John Deans was passionate about Jesus and sharing the gospel of Jesus. He was on campuses all over the South, a lot of times at UGA with a ministry called the Great Exchange, and just talking to people about the gospel and, and really hundreds of college students who prayed to receive Christ. Uh, John is in his 70s and just all over the South on campuses sharing the gospel. And uh, John and I have been friends for a long time and um, he went home to heaven a week ago today. And um, I was thinking about how we try to figure out what's important. And, and John had a great way of knowing what was worth it. I was in conversation with him a few years ago, and I was his one of his daughters. has five children. And a daughter named Emily had gone to UGA, and and I was asking John, "I said, how's how's it going for Emily?" And and John says, and his hands just fast moving hands and talking, and smiling. And he said, "Emily, see, first week it was." Uh, Dad, I, I met so many people. I met like everybody on campus. Just so many people. Just meeting so many people, and and he said then the second week it's like, uh, Dad, I. I, I, I'm in this Bible study and I'm going to this campus ministry and I've gotten connected with this church and then I go to this Bible study and then I'm in this small group and he said, this is all this stuff on the second week. So the third week, he said, Dad, I've been talking to all these people and I led somebody to Christ and I've been able to share the gospel so many times and John's so I was like, honey, that, that's, that's great but we've sent thousands of dollars to Georgia. Have you bought your biology book? And, and some of you, this over this next week, you're at so many opportunities, and probably there may be a phone call where a mom or dad will say, that's awesome, but have you bought your biology book? I mean, You've got to figure out, wh- what are we here for? And what we're talking about today, personally and corporately as a church, we're saying, this is what we're here for. This is what's worth it. Last week we said, the Word of God is worth it. So worth what? The word of God is worth believing, it's worth preaching, it's worth teaching, it's worth memorizing, it's worth sharing, it's worth taking it to the ends of the earth. The word of God is worth it. Today I want to give you a second. Relationships are worth it. Relationships are worth it. It's worth what? They're worth the effort. They're worth the effort. They're worth our time. They're worth our money. They're worth our energy. You might agree with that. Yeah, I see that. Where's the tension in that? Here's the tension in that. The tension is, is that we have an enemy that doesn't want us to value relationships. And Satan will hinder our relationships he loves to cause. He loves to cause hurt in relationships. He will do what he can to divide relationships. And he will try to isolate us from relationships. And then he'll really come after us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke to this talking about what can happen when the enemy gets a hold of our relationships and He said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. Relationships. They're worth it. And the tension is is that Satan will do whatever he can to try to keep us out of relationships. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2 why, why this passage these two chapters of first of first, Thess, um, first Thessalonians speak to us about relationship there is this uh, story from the apostle Paul of how he's he brought the gospel of Jesus to the people of Thessalonica and he uh, came there on his second missionary journey now he's away from them he writes back to them And as he talks about Jesus, he talks about heaven, he talks about the gospel. In in all of that is relationship. And that's how I want you to listen to this passage. Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks about relationships. You're going to hear it. He brings the care of a mother into the conversation. He brings the care of the father into the conversation. He talks about a desirous affection for the people. And and you just hear in the mix of all of this talk about Jesus and the gospel at the same time, the importance of relationships. And let's just start, verse one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read several verses. You can listen, follow along. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, verse one. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. You can't even get past verse one For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Verse 1, chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel... So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father, with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and changed you and uh, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God and Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath came upon them at last. Verse seventeen. But since we were torn away from you, want to read that again? But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart. We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. I believe the apostle paul would give the loudest amen in the room today if we said relationships are worth it you see it on the page here you see it in the verses he said we 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 were torn away from you in in person but not in heart Uh, we were affectionately desirous of you like a mother like a father you you just you see his heart for these people you see him in relationship with these people and he said okay But why? Why are relationships so valuable? I'll give you three reasons. Number one, relationships are worth it. Number one, because of our maker's model. Relationships are worth it because of our maker's model. We've been created. And the one who made us values relationships. He modeled relationships. He was in relationship. Listen, before he ever created you to be in relationship with you, he was in relationship. Genesis, all the way back. Genesis chapter 1, first book, first chapter, the story of creation, six days. God speaks, he creates, but on the sixth day, chapter 1, verse 26, such a foundational verse for all that we are, all that we believe, all that we teach. All that we hold to, Genesis 1, verse 26, listen to it. It says, then God said, God, the God, one true God, the God, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, don't jump too fast to in our own image. Notice the pronouns. God created. He said, let what? Let who? God, talk to me. Let who? us create in what our image and from chapter 1 of Genesis all the way to Revelation what begins to, to show up again and again is that the one true God is actually the triune God he is God in three persons and the God that we worship is God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit And from the very beginning in creation, God in relationship as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit said, let us create in our image. The very model from the beginning that we see is that the Godhead was in relationship. He didn't need us to have perfect relationship. But he created us for relationship when he created man. He looked at man and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And and why would he look at that? Why would he say that? When he said, let us create man in our own image, part of reflecting the image of God that would be in the very nature of man would be this longing for relationship, this need for relationship, to not be alone, to not be isolated. And so he brought to man there in the garden, Eve. He brought to him the woman. When we think about the, the, the model of creation and our creator, before we ever get to Jesus Christ and having a personal relationship with him, you see in the world this longing for relationship. you you, you see it and without people even knowing the basis for it they pursue relationships and the enemy tries to hinder relationships. Just one small example would be what happens in in media over the years there have been different television shows that have had long running uh, histories. Uh, you, You go back a few generations and there was this television show that just ran forever that was so popular called Cheers. And it was like everybody wants to go where people know your name. And then there was this long-running television show called Friends. Again, what was what's the common denominator? Relationships. This is a long-running show called Home Improvement. And, and just that observing a family dynamic and the back and forth and things to celebrate and things that were hard and difficult. Relationships. It's why some of you have parties and get all together late at night and watch The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, which I don't know who watches which or what, but I hear they're those kind of parties, all right? Listen, why is that? They're not going to pick you. You're just watching and looking because there's relationships going on. And it's, it's, it's just how God, our Creator, made us for this longing for relationship, it's the maker's model. It even transports into what keeps us healthy. Do you know, I think even from the beginning, being creative for relationship is a big part of our personal health. People are healthier when they're in relationship. I read a story some time back about a study that was done of 7,000 people over nine years So these same 7,000 people were observed for nine years to see what impact relationships had on their life. And here's the report. 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. Three times more likely to die if you're isolated than if you were in a strong relationship. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking or poor eating or obesity or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. And the reporter goes on to say, in other words, it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> Bring on the Twinkies. Listen, it, it's, it goes right back to relationships. It's even good for our health. So why are relationships worth it? Number two, it's the gospel's goal, the goal of the gospel. What's the goal of the gospel? What is the gospel? Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ died and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Why did he do it? What was the goal? The reason Jesus lived and died and was buried and rose again was to reconcile us to the Father. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 tells us they have this ministry of reconciliation. Why would you and God need to be reconciled? Three-letter word, sin. And sin cannot have fellowship with a holy God. And when the enemy came to the garden and sin occurred, there was a break. There was a separation. And from Genesis to Revelation, the story of God. Genesis to Revelation, the story of your Bible is God's work in making it possible for you to be reconciled to your heavenly father. And the thing is, you can't do enough good, you can't go to church enough, you can't make enough grades, earn enough money, none of that will we'll bridge the gap between you and God. It took the gospel, the goal of the gospel is to reconcile us to the Father. And the fruit of that relationship is to be right relationship with others. the vertical relationship with God when it's right always shows up in a horizontal relationship with others the goal of the gospel is for relationship and when you and I gather in this place today the reason that we come together as the ecclesia the reason we come together as the church the called out ones the gathered ones is because of Jesus Christ, that relationship with him. D.A. Carson writes about this work of reconciliation. He says, the church is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education or common race. It's not common income levels. Or common politics. What binds us together is not common nationality or common accents or common jobs or anything else of the sort. Christians come together because they have all been saved by Jesus Christ. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Relationships are worth it. You see. Faith in Jesus Christ gives us brothers and sisters. Faith in Jesus Christ gives us friends. Faith in Jesus Christ gives us a new family. Faith in Jesus Christ makes us citizens of heaven. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us consider how we may encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. What's he saying? He's saying when we're the church, when we're reconciled to God, the fruit of that is going to be us coming together to encourage one another. He's saying relationships are are worth it. Are you familiar with the one another statements in the New Testament? It says love one another, but there are dozens of them. Love one another, pray for one another, Bear with one another, prefer one another, forgive one another, be hospitable to one another. It, it, they go on and on. Do you know how, do you know the only way that you can fulfill the one another commandments? You've got to have another. You've got to be in relationship with somebody. And the reason he gives us all of those one another's is because the expectation, if God made us for relationship and he's reconciled us in the most important relationship, that in turn we will be in right relationship with others. It's the maker's model, it's the gospel goal. And here's a third reason why relationships are worth it because of the finish line trophy. Relationships are worth it because of the finish line trophy. The Apostle Paul, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? That's a great question. When Jesus comes back, what really matters? Think of it for yourself right now. When Jesus comes back, what really matters? The Apostle Paul says, is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. There hasn't hasn't been a seven-day stretch in three decades of pastoring where I've noticed more the value and riches, treasure of relationships. When we said goodbye to John Dean's yesterday, nobody talked about his cars. Nobody talked about his trinkets. Nobody talked about his trophies. Nobody had talk, talked about his newspaper stories or headlines you know, we, we you know you know what was happening in that gathering relationships it was about who he knew who knew him people that he had introduced to know in Jesus who loved him because of it And that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. When it comes down to it, and you're trying to figure out what's worth it in this world, he said, when we see Jesus, what will be worth it? Our relationships. It's the finish line trophy. Students, buy your biology book. But while you're here, relationships are worth it. Relationship that starts first with Jesus Christ. Relationships that develop in the context of a local church. Some of you here just think, I want to slip in and slip out. Not real into relationship. Just not safe. Tried that before. Got burned. I want to tell you. Relationships are worth the effort. It's not easy. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It's not easy. And it's not fast. Some of you as students will be here. Some of you as workers will move on to other towns and communities. Some of you as students are here on the first Sunday of being in Athens. You're in a church. Here's my hope. My hope is four years from now, this is still your local church. And man, look. If it takes five or seven, I hope this is still your local church, all right? But you're going to move on. If you stay here four years, five years, six, whatever, you're here. You build relationships. You're going to land in another place, and you're going to visit some churches, I hope. You're going to come away, and you're going to say, I can't find a Watkinsville. I just can't find community. And you just want to give up. Some of you have come here and you've tried it a few Sundays. You say, I just can't get connected. I just can't find community. It's not easy. It's not fast. Here are the requirements for relationship. You're going to have to serve together. You, you You want relationships that last? Serve together. Find you a place to just dive in with somebody. My wife had 32 kindergarteners this morning at nine I'm sure she let you serve with her. Amen. <laughs> just dive in and, and serve. Yesterday we had a meal for the family, for the Dean's family. There are a dozen people here just, just walking around serving tea and helping with food. Just serving. If, if you want to build relationships, serve one another. If you want to build relationships, be willing to suffer with one another. When things get hard and difficult and there's conflict, don't run. Don't disappear. Show up and work through the hard stuff of relationship and suffer together. It'll build relationship. It takes serving with one another, suffering with one another. It takes sacrificing for one another. Over time, you putting somebody else first, preferring one another, giving in to someone else, making yourself less important than somebody else, it builds relationship. It requires sharing with one another. The Apostle Paul says, we share the gospel with you, but we wanted to share our own selves. So we share life together. That's what Jesus did. It's what the Apostle Paul did. That's why the opportunities around this place are available to build relationship. Let me ask you, have you settled the most important relationship? It starts right there. Would you say today that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Here's how, believe the gospel. You might could quote it by heart, but it's it's never been believed in your heart. We're separated from God and there's nothing we can do to get to him. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus died to pay for all your sin, past, present, and future. Took it on him, paid it on the cross satisfied the wrath of God against sin. And if you would believe by faith that Jesus did that for you, follow Him the days of your life. Listen, you turn from trusting in yourself. You turn to trusting in Him. You call out to Him today. That's what I need. Just put it in the cry of your heart. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be Saved. And that most important relationship will begin right here today. And then from there, dive in to relationships with others and pay the price. It's worth it. I can't think of any better way than to remind us of the value of relationships than taking communion together today. I want to invite you to find the cup that's in your chair and let me talk to you about that for just a minute. How this cup that's already prepared and you find it, and I'll just tell you, it's hard to work with, all right? It, it's just hard to work with, but it's, it's what works for right now. There's a little small layer that's clear that you peel back that gets you to the bread. And then there's another layer that you peel back that gets you to the cup. You look here and you see the bread. And you see the cup. What is this? Some of you be the very first time you've seen this or you've seen it and maybe not understood what it was for. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gave to us this picture of the bread and the cup to remind us of relationship with him. He took the bread and broke it and he said, this is my body. And it's to symbolize his actual body that he laid down on the cross in our place for our sin. He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And he was talking about a new relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ alone. He shed his blood to satisfy the wrath of God. He said, whenever you take Bread and the cup, do this in remembrance of me. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe just two minutes ago you prayed for Jesus to save you. I want to invite you to take the bread and the cup in just a moment. You're a believer, you believe He died for you, you believe He bought you with a price, His blood. We take the cup together. In remembrance of that. Some of you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why not do that right now? You see the bread. You see the cup. It's the picture of what Jesus has done. Just tell God, thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. Save me. And then you could take the bread and the cup in remembrance of what Jesus did for you personally just a few seconds prior. He said, Pastor, I'm not ready. I'm not a believer. Then I'd invite you to watch what happens, to look at the bread, to look at the cup. And just think about what Jesus has done for you. And I'd be praying there'd be a day when you would receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're going to pray, then we're going to sing. Anytime during the song, you can take the bread and take the cup. Anytime during the song, you can stand and worship. Anytime in the song, you can come and kneel and pray. Anytime in the song, you can come and find me here and say, Pastor, help me be saved today. Pray with me today. Anytime in the song, take the bread and the cup, remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's kind of like an invitation to come to the table. We do it together because we're in relationship with him and we're in relationship with one another. Father, we give you thanks for the bread and the cup that reminds us of what your son Jesus did. And Jesus, we praise you as a risen Savior. We love you. Jesus' name.